Welcome to The Complete Musician, creativity at its core, exploring innovative musical ideas, thoughts, and techniques for the modern musician in today's society, with your hosts, James Nagus and Drew Phillips. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of The Complete Musician podcast. I'm James, and I'm going to hand it over to Drew, who is your host today. I'm Drew, and I am your host today. So for today's topic, we usually have some topic that we expound on and have advice for and all that kind of stuff. I don't really have that today, but my thing to talk about is more of a question, uh, and I don't really have an answer. And I think this question actually should garner some pretty interesting responses from people, and I hope it does. So I'm going to start by saying that I assigned a project to my students here uh, yesterday, uh, a recording project for my kids. Uh, it's a almost a mock audition. I assigned my trumpets and my horns a bunch of excerpts that they had to learn. And these excerpts are due in a, about 10 weeks. And I set them up a recording and practice schedule according to it. And I told them the reason I did that goes back to when I was an undergrad. When I was an undergrad, I, I first went to college in my first semester. I really didn't practice that much uh at all <laughs> i thought i think most people are guilty of that yeah i thought well just getting used to things I, yeah i was really i was guilty of that awful thought that i was going to be a high school band director and i really didn't need to play well uh i was mm-hmm. operating under that awful delusion and i just didn't spend a lot of time in the practice room however that second semester of my freshman year i joined the orchestra and i also got started getting mentored and made friends with a bunch of the older students in the studio. And I saw how amazing of players they were. And I saw all the opportunities that I got to get because of their playing ability. And I got hungry to get better and I wanted it so much. And after that is when I really started getting in the practice room. And what I stress to my kids is honestly, I wasn't really efficient. Like I just spent, I think from like nine to midnight, almost every night in the building, in the music building, uh, our music building closed at midnight and that's when the police would kick us out. But I started at like nine and I would practice and I wasn't even really efficient. Like I was playing things that I had absolutely no business playing or no skill or ability level to play as a freshman. Like, Just like I, really difficult things? Or? Yeah. Like I have no business as a freshman at that particular time in my life of looking at something like Heldenleben or looking at anything by Boza or like reading through the, you know, first horn on concert stuck or something crazy like i didn't have that range at that point or i didn't have the control to do it but i spent all that time with the horn on my face and even though it was inefficient and i was really just kind of going for basic music level like music levels of can i get the right notes in the right time generally and trying to be as accurate as possible nothing about phrasing nothing about tone just spending that time with the horn on my face I was hungry to get better. And the only way I knew how at that point in my life was to just be in a practice room and just play. Like, mm-hmm. and again, I wasn't really efficient. I wasn't working on technique as much as I should have. I wasn't really focusing on too much. I was just playing. And I think that I, I really want my students to have that drive. And I want them to have that sense of like discovery and that fire and passion for just playing 
So my question is, how on earth do we give our students the intrinsic motivation and willpower to go into a practice room and just play? Now that is it, and I, I think that applies to more than just playing. For us, at least, it applies to how can we inspire them and motivate them to be more creative? Right. That's a great question. And I mean, I'm sure we could talk about this right now, but the idea you're thinking is to plant this seed, give it some time, and then collect a bunch of other answers and then talk about it next time. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I don't really have a great answer. I, at this point, you know, like I told my kids yesterday, I... I cannot give them motivation. I cannot, like, not really. I can't give them that intrinsic value of, like, them knowing or getting, or having that fire and passion. I can say, like, you know, and they can repeat back to me, don't you want to play this well? Yeah, of course. Everyone wants to play X well, but right. are they willing to spend the time with the horn on their face to do it? And how do we do that without forcing them? Now, my recording project is like forced love. Like it's, you have to do this because it's a part of your grade and that's like a requirement of me. But how on earth do we as teachers motivate our students again to play and have that passion to get better without forcing them? And to speak to that, how do we creatively motivate them? Like, I have students who, I, I have such an eclectic mix of kids. Like, I have a student who used to be a really, really decent violin player, and now she plays horn. Uh, I have a mechanical engineering major who's taking lessons and a pretty darn good player. I have a kid who used to be an aviation major. All of these really eclectic backgrounds, how do I motivate them to use that to educate others? How can I push my kids into composing? Like, how can I do that without forcing them to do it right and you know we both have ways of course that we handle this with our students and i think in our situations in, in most situations that aren't purely conservatories we have that mix of students and that's honestly what makes it fun is having students that have a wide variety of backgrounds but i think we're also wondering how do you do this with your students what are your strategies what are your techniques and if i can qualify that a little bit um I think it's important to say, how do you intrinsically motivate students in a healthy way that does not promote unhealthy competition? Right. right. Because in my mock audition that I'm doing, I did say there was going to be a winner for both the trumpets and the horns. And that winner, I said, will probably get some kind of, I don't know free food or something like out of it the rest of them will be losers oh no, <laughs> but i said that runner-up trophies uh, yeah there you go everyone gets runner-up trophies now but i said that there would probably be some free food involved and i mean that's a great motivation tool but it's i want the them key to... to a musician's heart yeah yeah uh, but i want them to want it for themselves too because if they want it for themselves then they'll also be on this idea of of building this motivation and this kind of pushing for their students when they eventually end up teaching in some capacity for their students to pursue creative outlets. Right. It's the initial push of the car. And then once the car gets rolling down the hill, then, then it just goes, but it's that initial push. You're right. That is the difficult part. Right. So I really want to know from people how they motivate their students. And I'd love to garner any and all uh, just ideas and thoughts and comments about this. So let us know what you think. And of course, the ways to get in touch with us are, well, there's email, cormotohorn at gmail.com. There's placing some uh, 
comments in the YouTube videos below. And then um, I think we might post this on Facebook too. I think on so. On the Horn People sites. So just go ahead and comment there and we'll compile all the comments and then we'll discuss next time and read some of your comments and, and talk about it. And real quick before we go on, just a quick word from our unofficial sponsor. Is your mouth flabby and droopy? Is your embouchure more of a bombusher? Is your free buzz a total buzzkill? Well, we have the gym for you. Planet Fit Lips. We lift heavy instruments. Our trainers are some of the best athletes in the world. With degrees from South Carolina, Virginia, Bam, Louisa, Sippy, Agricultural and Technological Institute, full sail over the Grand Canyons of Phoenix University, Northeastern Southern State Community Baptist College Academy of the Fine Arts and Sciences, and Van Dyke Brown University. We offer classes in interval training. You could do better than that. Yeah! Wind sprints. Crunches. Pull downs. Work out your glutes and your tubes. Get your chops back into great shape. And don't forget to visit Ein Heldenberger across the street to refuel with the best gyro you've ever had. Planet Fit Lips. We lift heavy instruments. Planet Fit Lips is not a real gym, although Jim is a real name, but he is not affiliated with this gym because he is not a gym and it is not a real gym. And even if it was, it would not be affiliated with anyone or anything ever and does not exist and is not an official sponsor of the Complete Position Podcast. So that really sums up our first section, I think, unless there's anything you have to add. Uh, which brings us to a segment we started last time, which is called House Calls. House Calls with Dr. Phillips and Dr. Nagus. And as a reminder, House Calls is a completely serious, 100% truthful, uh, useful uh, advice, fact, show. Uh, and there's clearly no sarcasm in that at all. And what we do is we find questions online, whether it be various social media sites or sites like Yahoo or Reddit that people ask questions and go to for advice. And uh, we're just going to give some, you know, in the name of creativity, some creative answers. And remember, we are completely serious. I mean every word I ever say, ever, because I'm a doctor. So question number one. Okay, I'm ready. Hit me with it. So... I've been playing the F horn for three years and I've always had this problem where I put the mouthpiece on just the bottom lip and I barely even use the top lip. So I'm out of tune. My teacher says my F is so out of tune that it's not even the right note. And he says that my embouchure and that I'm too, I'm too tight and that I need to open my mouth because I'm so sharp. But that's all he tells me. I need help. How do I make a note less sharp? To make a note less sharp, you have to get a lot of pillows. You see, you're too, you're using too much of that bottom lip, which which comes forward. Uh, many times, the embouchure is described as a, a beak or a sharp tip cone, and so when when you push your lips out forward, um, it creates it's it's really sharp. Um, not because the air needs to come out in a straight line, but just because you need to make it as 
pointy as possible. Very, very pointy. And so you're just using too much of, of the sharpness of your embouchure, um, pushing it out. So what you need to do is make sure that before you play, to soften things up, um, you need to take a pillow, uh, a really big, nice pillow filled with with down feathers and everything, and you need to put it over your face and hold it there for a good two to three minutes. Um, don't breathe. Don't don't worry about breathing. You'll you'll be okay. And then I I promise there won't be any playing problems anymore. To me, it sounds like your embouchure is more of a bombusher. So mm. I would actually recommend you go to Planet Fitlips and just work that out. Mm. Yeah, they have great trainers there. All right. Um, question number two: What does a conductor do on a freight train? Well, you see, I, in my experience, um, they they typically tend to uh, do like on a, a regular conductor, um, which which garners electricity, right? Like water is a conductor yes. for electricity. Yes. And so you see when they, they wave their arms about, what happens is they're gathering static from the air because there's electricity in the air all around us. We all know this, right? Because of, of um, storms and because of um, static cling and, and uh, clinexes and such. So uh, there's all this static in the air. And so when they gyrate with their with their hands and wave them in circles their hair tends to stand on end um all you have to do is look at the great conductors um that that did this uh, like like um dudamel i mean look at his hair clearly there's a lot of static going on there um or yeah, he changed his name uh, from dudamel originally oh he was a little too much of a conductor mm. so he it down Mm, that's true because well you know what and then let's look at someone like strauss he did it too much and look what happened to him oh you're right all those pictures he's got the fro going that must be just the static mm, there you it. go uh so uh this is this is really important to remember um is that conductor and conductors who do this too much they will go bald they will i mean we've seen that through the ages uh okay question number three and i want to remind you these are all real questions and real answers. Uh, yes. Question number three is, how do people march with a bassoon? And this had three question marks after it. Wow, they're they're very inquisitive. How do you march with a bassoon? Um, well, it's e easier than uh, Februarying with a bassoon, and much easier than Novembering with a bassoon. But uh, what I like to do is I like to make sure that the bassoon hits the ground um, before. I, I I take each step. Um, I use it very similar to a walking stick. Um, and so I make sure to plod along in a very consistent pulse, making sure that that bottom really uh, really plants a foundation of where my next footstep goes. That That's how I march with a bassoon. For me, I think the technique was codified by Woody Allen um, in a film where he actually marched with a cello. And what you have to do is you have to carry your own chair and then essentially you have to be careful because the parade float's going to keep moving. So you have to pick up the chair, sit down, put the strap down, hook it in the bassoon, play maybe one to one and a half notes, pick up the chair, and then repeat the process over and over again. Now, the thing you want to be careful about is you always want to have an EMT nearby because you're mm. likely going to get splinters. Mm. Um, and this is probably uh, why – this may be why we don't see a lot of bassoon marching bands. But then again, it may not be. 
So that concludes our 10th episode of The Complete Musician. Thank you very much for listening. Please send in your uh, comments and responses, especially to the topics question today. Uh, again, you can get in touch with us at coromotohorn at gmail.com or comment on our YouTube channel or maybe on the Facebook post we make about this video. Thanks for listening. And remember, as Ichabod Crane once said, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it play tuba. <laughs>